0: You know, if, if the city was struggling at that time economically, then you're going to see that reflected in the architecture. If there was a pandemic, uh, then you'd see that impacted in the type of labor.
1: Welcome back to Women at Work, a podcast for and about the women of the remodeling and construction industries, brought to you by Pro Remodeler and Pro Builder Magazines. I'm Annie Sabolski, the Associate Editor for Pro Remodeler and your co-host of Work. Our guest today is Anna Borden, the founder and principal of AMB2 Architecture in New Orleans. A daughter of two immigrants, Anna always loved design and drawing. She's now found her niche in historic renovations and the complex restorations and retrofits required of the historical city of New Orleans. We'll learn how she chooses the right materials, the history lessons that are hidden in historical architecture, and how she uses watercolor painting as a design tool. But first, a quick request for me. If you like what you're hearing and want us to keep putting out new episodes, it would help us a lot if you would leave a rating and review wherever you get your audio. Even a short review helps show support for women builders, designers, and business managers who are killing it at work and beyond.
2: So I know that one of your uh, specialties is with historical renovations. What sparked that passion?
0: Um, I would have to say one of the reasons I really gravitate to historic preservation is because First of all, um, my parents and grandparents are immigrants to the country, and they don't necessarily have any heirlooms or anything like that, and so I gravitate to older homes because I would love to preserve that for families. In New Orleans in particular, in the Uptown and Garden District area, many of the older homes that are 100, 200 years old plus are all passed down from one family to another. So often when I find myself renovating these homes, they have so much history, and I love preserving that part.
2: Do you have any tips for somebody who has to remodel a historically significant home? Like how do you find material that will look the same but still like meet current codes?
0: There's a lot of, um, believe it or not, smaller companies that will actually, before some of the older homes that are beyond repair are demolished, they'll go into these homes and they'll pull out original uh, wood floors, um, mantles, grit, tiles, doors, hardware, and they will actually store it in some warehouses. And so I know these particular places, they're usually like mom-and-pop places, as we call them in this area. But anyway, I would go and, and take a look at these warehouses and be able to pull some of these antique pieces and bring them into homes as, as we start to renovate some other properties.
2: So what is your approach to a project like that? How do you even begin?
0: I always like to try to keep with the language of the existing home
2: What are the the components that make up a design language of a house? What are the the main things that you have to keep the same?
0: So I look at materials. I think it's really important to look at materials, to look at the construction technique, to also look at elements like, for example, doors, windows, stained glass windows, pitches of roof, um, gable, venting. Um, We do a lot of wrought iron, too, whether it's like railing or columns or fences. And so I look at all those components and um, just really study them to make sure that they're all coherent and that they were all meant to be there.
2: Describe New Orleans' um, design style. What, What makes it so special?
3: New Orleans is just so unique because we have so much history. And as an architect, too, I'm not only looking at the building for what it is itself, but I'm also reflecting on the history of New Orleans, what materials were available when that building was done? Uh, what were the existing, to, uh, what were the ongoing um, economic impact on the city? You know, if, if the city was struggling at that time economically, then you're going to see that reflected in the architecture of the building. It's going to be less ornate, less detail. If there was a pandemic, uh, then you see that impacted in the type of labor and how long the building, and the type of materials, and the craftsmanship. So New Orleans just has such a vibrant um, history, and so and each neighborhood has its own language completely. I think that
2: you can like tell when there was like a labor shortage. Um, Are there any specific
3: areas that you can describe in New Orleans where you can like kind of tell that? Well, I guess one thing would be like the shotgun homes when they were built. Um, like the single shotgun homes, usually when you're driving around our city, you can see that usually three to four, upwards of five shotgun homes kind of have the same detailing because they were all done by the same contractor.
2: So I saw that you do watercolors for rendering, which I think is kind of a, a fun touch and a great example of turning what could have been like a, just a hobby into a business aspect. Uh, can you talk a little bit more about that and your style and why you believe that watercolors as a medium is an effective tool for representing a project?
0: Yeah, so I love to paint. It's really actually one of my outlets. Um, and when I've done commissions, I really feel a responsibility in order to, to convey the emotions of the structure and the buildings in itself. And so I've used watercolors as not only to help myself when I've gotten into some lulls in the profession in my career, but also as an outlet in order to um, evoke emotions in clients. Like, for example, I'll get quite a few commissions of homes that have succumbed to Katrina, and those to me are really special because those homes are no longer there. But when I've turned over paintings that I've done, I've had numerous clients just burst out in tears. And to me, that means that I've been able to convey their home the way they remember it. So it's almost like taking a photograph in time. And, and I love when I see them hung up in homes and such. And so to me, it, painting too, especially in watercolor, it forces me to be more restrictive because if you've painted with watercolors before, it's, it can get too loose. And so for me personally, it reminds me that there is a sense of freedom in painting, but then also I need to be restrictive as well. And so one of my favorite things to do is to paint not only New Orleans homes, but ongoing developments that might be in schematic design. And it gives me an opportunity to to express what the design intent is. And it's a really good way to have a visual too in order to convey that same design to the community. And so watercolors for me is, is really important too because it's almost like learning another language. It's like, if you don't keep up with it, you lose it. And so I strive to pull up the, the, the cold press paper, watercolor paper and my paintbrushes brushes and my paint every few weeks so I can continue to keep up with it. Because if not, and I feel like you might, you might lose it, like if you don't practice another language. And so for me, it's become a really great outlet to, to convey not only my design, but previous designs and historical.
1: Thanks to Anna for joining me on the podcast and to all of you for listening. A link to more information about amb 2 architecture can be found in the show notes. Women at Work is now available on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and anywhere else where you get your audio. If you like what you're hearing so far, I'd love it if you took a minute to rate and review the show on whatever platform you use. Our next episode will feature another female professional who's making some serious moves in her industry. Until then, follow us on social and keep on working.